From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. So, so Linda, sorry, you were saying this, there was one thing about events and professional services, in consulting rather. Yeah, I think there's a differentiator in what works for sort of either B2B, B2C companies that have a product versus consulting because there's two different sets of objectives often. Uh, The companies that are, let's, you know, a Google, a Microsoft, even though they obviously do consulting as well, they have a product. So they're going out there and they're advertising their product, which is often a physical thing. It's a pharmaceutical company and they have a bank of drugs or they're promoting or they're going to trial. And so there's a different set of notoriety and a different set of acceptance that they're looking for. Consulting companies, there's, they often do it really well. And sometimes they stick their name on something as a sponsor Mm. and it's not all that effective because they've got their logo on a series of posters, banners. Maybe they get like, maybe they're sponsoring a water cooler, who knows (laughs) they're sponsoring lunch and you're doing it more because of your business relationship with this other company that's producing this event rather than getting oh, anything out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, Linda, would uh, you say it's more like you're basically trying the product, if you want to call it, for a consulting company, you're selling the meetings before they buy the the other thing, whereas in the others, you're like, hey, you can try our apple juice. You can try something else. Exactly. And I think that, but I think that even when consulting companies go in and sponsor the are one of a number of sponsors of the meeting they could often put more effort and negotiate smarter and get some things that strategically place them whether that is part of whether it's a mention or a part of a session a keynote whether it is booth presence it's more than getting their logo on a lunch saying lunch sponsored by so and so how do you and people yes it's a name recognition but if you're past that point of i just need to get my name into the market and you actually want people to you want to engender the love and the trust you need to do something that tells people what you're about so you want to have a par- a video role in something. You want to have a speaking role. You want to have your thought leadership incorporated mm-hmm. somehow because otherwise it's just a logo. And people know you're a big deal because they see your logo on a bunch of banners, but it doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. So. I would say that the most important thing is to really be very clear about what you want to get out of it 
and what your message is. And that unfortunately is sometimes lacking in mm. the industry. And if there is no nothing you're getting out of it, if you're simply doing it because your partner wants 50,000 euros, then, mm. okay, you're doing it for goodwill because there was a quid pro quo and they gave you 50,000 euros for your event. So yeah. that's fine. But be really clear about what can I get out of this event? That's when you're part of someone else's. Yeah. There's yeah really... so... Go ahead. Sorry. So, sorry. So, so it should be, that's a very good point. And I, I like that how we make it explicit or you made it explicit rather that there is this cases where it's a political thing, let's say, or a relationship building thing. And the marketing team can't get out of the event because commitments, right? So yeah. the advice there, if I summarize this correctly, is don't fight it because it's going to happen. Just sort of scale your efforts accordingly, because what you're saying is that well, unless you get good opportunity to present your thought leadership, chances are it's not going to drive that much stuff. So yeah, send them the logo file, be happy. <laughs> yeah, keep and, simple. and sometimes take the long view. If it if you can you can't get like a physical part of the program, are you getting can you get invites to key social things where you you know that are select and yeah. you can meet people and then don't cheap out on sending the right people to that event. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, because <laughs> here's the thing: if you're if all you're getting out of this is a one-hour cocktail party with the key other sponsors, and many of them are people that you either do business with, want to do business with, increase your strategic alliance with, send those three or four people, get those invitations, send them, and make a targeted list and say, you, you're going to find these two people, and you're going to chat them up, and hopefully you'll get one meeting out of it. And yeah. so don't look at it as something that, oh, it's not worth our time to send a contingency or coalition. Nice. More good stuff. That's a nice add-on. What I wanted to ask was, okay, that is the I'm attending or sponsoring or partnering for an event. What, but you said that maybe I can get 50 grand for my own event. So can, do you have some insights on the consulting firms hosting their own events. What are some views yeah. there? Because, oh my, sorry, to maybe make it a bit more specific, my impressions from the sidelines are that, A, these events are coming back. So in-person life events are coming back to a certain extent. No, they've they already have, come back. I can't. Yeah, I yeah, but they have changed since COVID in, in two yeah. regards. And I don't know, Linda, if you agree or not. But what I see is, A, there now is an expectation to bolt on a an on-demand component so it will be live and in person but there's a video crew there and we create clips and there's a live stream or something so that is now pretty much part of the package and interestingly i have clients marketing teams that tell me that this is now the expectation you got to sort it but the budgets have not increased so the expectation is do a hybrid event but do it for the same price as you would do the in-person part only which that is weird that is the one change i hear about and the second change I hear about is that the nature of the events changes a little bit and the smart firms make the in-person less about the content. So it's less keynotes, less presentations, less panels and more relationship building, which I think is also what the consultancies did in the 50s, right? It's more dining people, 
conversations, small working groups, breakout sessions, that type of stuff. Do you have, what's your view? Do you have, would you agree is that, do you see different things? Like, let me know what you think about where it's at with consultancies events right now. I do think that events are very much coming back. I do think there may be slightly more strategic. I have seen in my own work that some things, especially internal, have stayed virtual because they are able to reach a wider audience. But I absolutely agree that the nature of it has changed. The other thing that happens is even when they have keynotes now, let's say, they have ability to watch keynotes in various places. If you're, let's say, in a convention space or a large space, and you might have some rooms, like some separate like networking rooms that they'll also stream it into there. They will stream it online, select pieces. They'll stream Uh, it into the expo space. And so that people can consume it in various ways and they can have their own choice that maybe one part of this consultancy, one division has their own breakfast space and it's open and they have monitors and the keynotes there. So if they don't want to leave their breakfast space, they're watching it, having breakfast and still watching Mm -hmm. the keynote. That that happens at some of the major US shows, right? Like CS and stuff where people will have just sort of lunch rooms and or maybe even offsite have something in a hotel and something like that. Yeah. yeah. So that is full omni or multi-channel now is what you're telling me. Maybe all right. Yeah. Maybe it's also like you also have events that just go by like Chatham House rules. So you're having the event, not everyone knows about it, but within a larger event kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think that they are trying to make sure that there is from this sort of networking point of view a lot of times even a large event will have subsets if that's what you mean so that there might be a space for let's say the sponsors there's a space for buyers there's a space for alumni so people that have returned five years or more yeah and so they're they have where you can meet your like-minding sort of flock together and it breaks it up so that there is more one-on-one networking time i think the other things that happen and were happening pre-covid but have become really the norm is that there are lots of spaces for breakouts. There's often lots of spaces for sort of lunch and learn type of things. And so Mm. there's still a lot of content because I think people are really looking at the content. What do they get out of these events? Not just meeting and selling, but am I gaining some knowledge? So it's the thought leadership. It's about being though very selective So I see that there's lots of sometimes small stages within an area where you have more select, you have, and less about rigid tracks where you have to go like, I'm going to be on this track and go to these five breakouts or I'm going to be on this track. But it's about 
consume how you want. Yeah. And all right. they also are very much more in a more sophisticated way, tracking metrics, doing satisfaction surveys, even wallets going on in a more qualitative rather than quantitative approach of how was that? What do you think? How's it going? I just had a discussion on a project I finished that the creative team thought something was very successful, but mm -hmm. the reason they thought it was successful wasn't actually the use, but because they saw people using the space. And so yeah. what we have to define is what is the metric for the success of it? Is it yeah, actually sure. participating yeah. in this activation or is it the fact that they actually sat there and had meetings because it was an attractive space? And so yeah. again, decide what it is you're going for. I was going to say, we, that brings us back to that first point of yours, right? Exactly. What's it for? And Ash and I have discussed this at various points throughout yeah. the podcast. There is always the risk, I think, with events that once it's been decided that we'll go and the commitment has been made and the budget is there and everybody starts working, the what it's for becomes a bit flexible. I've made this joke before that we started out yeah. and said, oh, this will be a lead gen event. And then lead gen, while we are on the ground, it becomes clear lead gen is not going to be exceptional at this one. So we suddenly start to talk about brand building and presence and awareness not turning it, and, so and then just the, the objective mid-flight somewhat. Yeah, um, and of course the yeah. business takes care as well because they have purposes there. So ultimately this becomes a mishmash that doesn't have like a clear objective, but has multiple little objectives that need not ladder up. Yeah, yeah and I, I do mean, think it is important that it does have sort of that red thread, golden thread that goes through it, mm -hmm. that it all does tie back to a bigger message. And Sometimes it's more of a visual thing. And I think for consulting companies, especially large consulting companies, it they need to spend money because it needs to feel special and high end. You don't want to yeah. go in and just find a bunch of hotel furniture and regular lighting and the, and they're like, I could do this on a Zoom call. It needs to feel special. So there yeah. needs to mm -hmm. be things that make people want to stay. It needs to also be, have a cadence so that it's not all on day one. You have to have enough on day four or day five, whatever your last day is, day three, to keep people interested and there yeah. has to be a balance and a mix. Yes, you want to have, sometimes it's just a meal room and you grab and go and you're looking at different things and different products and you're talking to people. But especially with consultancies, it's about a loyalty, about a trust. It's about a feel good. And people will always say this isn't why they hire and purely my mind, it could be totally wrong, is you also hire people you want to work with. You hire people you like. Rarely do people hate somebody and still hire them, unless yeah. there's no other option. I don't want to take us into a book nerd corner, but exactly what you just said, or a similar concept that I read in Rory Sutherland's book, mm -hmm. the title of which I forgot, and I look it up and put it in the show notes, but Rory speaks about that investing in physical spaces 
functions as a trust building signal, which that's important in consultancy, because you show that you have committed to this business. I don't know if I'm making sense, but he makes this example that it makes sense for a law firm to have expensively tiled offices and pristine desks and this stuff because lawyering is an ephemeral business, if you will, right? I could be a fraudster in a suit sitting there, Lionel Hutz from The Simpsons, right? And just tell you some bullshit. But the fact that I invested in this expensive office alone means that I'm obviously intended to be serious about this and to be around for longer. I think I didn't explain it super yeah, clearly, but it's, about, it's, it's, just, it's this idea that the fact that you spend big on the presence makes it very clear that you're serious about the relationship and the thing. And so, yeah, he would very much under underwrite what you just said there, that it's, it is, it plays a role in the trust building and the, maybe the hiring a, decision. We don't know. I think it plays a role, but it also helps convey the message. So if you want yeah. the message that says, the, the future of blah is blah, or it's, you're the marketer, so you come up with something. <laughs> we, you summarize, we grow, you summarize we grow 80% together, of it right? Perfectly. You say message, the hierarchy is we grow together, you know, yeah. we have the tools, and visually, you start tying that message back. So you're growing together. Are we having plants? And do we have a soundscape of a jungle and what have you? And yeah. so keep tying that message back. And then you have a nice growing garden and people are planting things. I also think that interactivity is, physical interactivity is yeah. really important. People got really used to doing the virtual, yes, I can plant a garden virtually on a Zoom call and somebody's going to come right. in and take you through karaoke or armchair yoga or whatever it is. Yeah. But doing stuff together in person, it also helps conversations because if you and I are to beat this analogy to death, you and I are planting seeds that we can take home from this conference together side by side. I'm yeah. going to say, hey, hi, I'm so-and-so. Oh, did you just come from that keynote? What did you think of it? And next yeah. thing we've had a conversation, a total stranger. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah. so those are the things yeah. that people take back. Experiences are what they often remember. And so giving them experiences, having a great customer appreciation night or client appreciation night, whatever that means to your group, whether that is, as we know, a night in a museum with a fantastic speaker, hearing from some world famous archaeologist or a NASA astronaut or a concert. Yeah. It's an experience and you start to develop love. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I agree with that because uh, so uh, this is my personal opinion. I can't state it any otherwise since this podcast is sponsored by the metaverse. Just kidding. But this is where I think the computer guys have it wrong is these virtual ideas and the metaverse ideas and these games and stuff. They are all, this is great, but it's not aspirational in the sense that it's not the newer, better, cooler thing that people want instead of the real experience. There are increasingly less shitty replacements for the real thing. But people want the real thing back for those emotional and difficult to put in a business plan reasons you, you just described there. But I am profoundly convinced that they are true. 
And I can see it in my, myself in my own reactions, like how happy I was to go out back out again after the Corona thing, right? And yeah. go, attend some events, meet people again. And I also attended some shitty ones. So think huge conference room in a hotel, sitting on stiff chairs, and then there's a stage and there's panel discussions of the eye-rolling quality. But still, the lunch break was great. And I had great conversations on the train home. And I returned here and my wife asked me, how was it? I, was, I said, it was great. Like, I was not necessarily referring to the program points, which were horrible, but to the meeting people aspect, which was great. So yeah, I fully buy I mean, into the, so the thing. So just hearing what Linda was saying is also the fact that we should probably stop calling it events and just call it experiential marketing. I mean, there are firms that do that, but essentially that's what you're offering. You're not really... Potatoes, potatoes, ash. In a, in just, a way, but just think about it this way. Like the supplier meeting of Walmart is literally held in this giant warehouse. That is done for a very specific purpose, that experience. And there's all these other things that are done for specific experiences. We make it, yeah. we call it an event. This is not like, oh yeah, this oh. is not, yeah. I mean, people listening probably could already presume by Linda, the examples you've been given here and there, that you have done some fairly large uh, experiences or events or shows and whatnot. And yeah, I I remember that is very much always an aspect to it as to, you can't increase the physicality of something, right? That's not, if it's physical, that's that. But, But sort of, like you say, deliberately designing the thing that A, conveys the message and maybe even heightens the aspect. Like, yeah, have the supplier conference, not just in a room, but in a have that room be a warehouse, whatever. Honestly, I don't know where I'm going with this point, but I like this stuff and I think other people likes it, like it as well. And that's why it's that's why it's coming back. And that's why it's a reason to, like you said, to invest if you have the and means. I, and have it. enough for people to do, have enough variations. And large events, not that different from small. I happen to be working on something now that's a very small, but very high touch. But the same thinking goes in. In All this right. case, it's 200, 250 people, and everything is really very catered to this crowd and a very specific group with a very specific aligned interest. And right. everything is sort of that white glove. Casual, but white glove. There is going to yeah. be where there has to be no friction to anything. But the same thinking comes down. How do you keep the message? How do you keep everything moving towards the same message you're trying to sell? Because that's what yeah. we're trying. That's what we're doing. We're all selling something. And you don't want anyone going off track, off message. Anywhere you can, you want it to keep driving to the same message. And that includes to Ash's example of Walmart choosing a warehouse. They're not shouting out, hey, this is our business, but it is. And it's giving people an initial feeling. So consider everything. And that doesn't mean you can't reject things. Sometimes things are just too much money or too much effort, and that's fine. But hopefully as much as possible, make it a conscious effort going, we're not doing that. We're going to a hotel because we don't have the staff, the time, the patience, the money to trick out an empty warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Which not always, but sometimes then gets you into the question of why do it then? 
right? If it's just the content and the people speaking, it could as well be a webinar to your earlier points. So yeah, and I and you made this comment and I like that, that you see the companies becoming more strategic. And I think this is another point that the marketing colleagues can take away with is be very intentional and deliberate when something does get to be um, a physical in-person event, right? Because yeah. yeah, maybe you can, that's the way to to preserve the budget for these to make the investments when it, when well, it I would say more like invest it strategically in the right experiences. Not that just look at the whole thing, just make sure that you speak to the whole thing. That's basically what Linda's been saying right now. Yeah. So, yeah. and I, Linda, the one, because you've done many of these and you keep doing them. And so we were wondering with keeping our audience in mind, do you have any, to, like, you don't have to say it. I'll say it on your behalf. I think sometimes marketing teams and the consulting firms do stuff that annoys the creatives who have to put the actual event together to no end. So, so could you enlighten us along the lines of how do how can we be better customers of the event specialists of the creative agencies? Sometimes there's builders who have to put the booth together, whatever. So how can the marketing people do a better job of making sure or doing everything under their control that the event becomes really delightful, so to speak? Uh, oh, wow. This question could really get me in trouble. Speaking purely from the other side. So I'm taking, I'm yeah. deliberately taking the opposite position of a marketer. And I do understand the demands of the marketer and the marketing teams that bring us on. It's sometimes there is a level of micromanagement, a level of endless and opposite feedback, approvals, that mm. marketing teams to decide, you know, who approves what, how many layers do we really need to do to cut through some of that, the amount of money and time that is spent. Yeah. Please. But Linda, that is because we are afraid to make decisions when stuff gets physical, right? We do PowerPoints. So if you ask us where does the water pipe run and how thick it is because you wanted a coffee machine at this space, we tend to get a little nervous. And so we need to involve 15 people in the decision making process because I'm not going to say yes to this, right? It's a water pipe. What do I know? Just yeah. Well, and sometimes, <laughs> yeah. and I would say overall, if you have an agency or a person that you trust, yeah. Allow them to share their opinions. I, I and actually, if I had to say one one wish, actually, let me get two wishes. If I had okay, to get go one, two wishes, we'll give you three, Linda, because we okay, can I'll find this. a third. But the first one would be, especially when it comes to creative and strategic, allow the people that you brought in to develop that, to pitch it at all the levels. Because what I find happens oh, is we pitch it, yeah. we pitch it to you, and then you're pitching yeah. it to someone else. Someone else is pitching it. I don't know why they did it. If you don't like it, I'll take it back. Yeah, you're right. I never thought about that. That's actually quite the brilliant side, I think, and, at the risk of sounding dumb. But yeah, agreed. And, Good and, one. and then we're also hearing the feedback, but... I had this situation and when our lead creative did pitch, it was like, oh, so you think this does, oh, okay. But they hadn't yeah. heard the thinking and how it connected everything. And it hadn't been sold in. And as marketers, the importance, it's not just the product, but it's how you market the product, how you sell the product, how you speak yeah, true. the product. 
And this is the same thing. So yeah, and it's also the confidence. And I remember this from some of our project projects, not just having the confidence because that I think I can fake, but also having the expertise to just push back onto these guys and to say, no, yeah. can't do this here. Sorry. Uh, the water pipe is not long enough to stick with this example. Whereas the marketing team might be like, oh yeah, I don't know if we can't move it farther left. I'll go back and ask. And that's another two weeks down and, the drain and, in terms of, yeah, yeah wanna, you're right. Yeah, good one. And they don't want to stake their job on yep. my concept. But if I, and I'm not the creative director, but let's say I was, and I will stake my job on it and I feel confident I'm willing to sell it. And so that would be number one. The number nice. two is we know consultancies love a million charts, a million spreadsheets, a million, you know, let's in a smart sheet, let's put this in an Excel, let's find another program and we'll do it here. And then we're going to move all this information on a daily basis. You're going to update the 15th chart. And it's going to, everyone's going to own it and it's going to be all interactive yeah. and we're going to have everything. I'll send you the last version once the plane touches down, Linda. How about that? Yeah. And, <laughs> and, Can you upload it into the video wall by then? <laughs> oh, we know all of these things. And, oh. and, I'm, and I'm joking about this, but I might have said similar sentences in the past. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> we know this point. We want to be good partners and we want our clients to understand. And a large part of what we do is training our clients as well. And that yeah. we take seriously and we like it because a smart, knowledgeable client is a great partner. But at a certain point, there's too much endless. 15 versions of the same paperwork that we're generating. Yeah. As opposed, and I feel like it's sometimes marketers, they're very busy also, and they want help from all their partners to consolidate information and make it readable and workable. Yeah. But oftentimes more and more places is just more work. And then you invariably find one that doesn't match. Yeah. And it's chaos. So to simplify and streamline what you need, how you need it. Yeah. And really think about it. And I think if I can add to this thought, I think that means it's it's not just, it's not enough to be uh, it's not enough to being for keeping things simple. You have to be against making things complicated. So we, as the marketers, we have to fight the urges of the business, right? We have, because we are in that position. You are not necessarily, right? As the people coming in to build and create the event, that is on us to push back on the business and say, no, sorry, 265 slides plus appendix and a Power BI dashboard is a little bit too much for the Twitter screen. Could you say that in 130 characters? I'm exaggerating. But I yeah, I think that's the... That's on us. So, okay, that's wish two. Yeah, and we uh, do to, that to do with that. presentations all the time. So we, we work on a lot of presentations where we take the speeches, the remarks, whether it live or video, and we really try and live by the idea it is speaker support. It is not speaker replacement. Yeah. Yeah. And that is... It needs to be something because if you're, especially if you're live, you want somebody paying attention to your executive 
on that stage and engaged by your executive on that stage. And whatever they're putting behind them to the side of them should support that, should add, whether it's just a key word, whether it's an image, but it should not be the speech written out on the slides. Yep, no, absolutely on that one. And also, people need to respect the amount of effort that you guys, that's been done to get all these things to the line. So when people make alterations and changes or people ask for all this stuff, they need to know that there's all those other things. Downstream implications. Downstream. Yeah, that, yeah, that might be the third wish, right? To say, please. And I think the marketers probably know this better than the business, yeah. but appreciate the complexity. If you want to have two letters changed and a different color on a poster or whatever, like that's the supply chain involved, right? It's not the same as fixing a font on in a PowerPoint. Sorry, that. Yeah, well, condescending, but these things really happen. People are like, oh, how difficult can it be to do X? And X is actually really difficult. <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I think the la the world of last minute changes is unfortunately here to stay. All but right. I would actually, I think if I had my last wish, it would be the ability to align budgets to what they want. So realistic budgets for what they want. Oh, that time has never been here, Linda. I don't know if you- <laughs> I, I rarely, I rarely have it. Yeah. I rarely have it. And that's the unicorn ass because that will never be, but- but do you get it if you spoke about client education, which I love that because Ash and I just had a, an episode out on how it should be the marketing team's job to train the colleagues in the businesses and some marketing fundamentals. So do you get more realistic budgets with clients that become more professional and running something? I know we've worked together in the past on formats yeah. where a firm did something two, three, four years in a row, right? So do, is, does that improve over time? So is there some hope or <laughs> do the budgets, budgets always? Sometimes there is. Yeah, I mean, I think that it would be different agencies are always going to have different price points and it depends on their approach. And I think that the agencies that are the more strategic, that are the more creative, that have the smart people in the room, sometimes are going to be a little more expensive because you're paying yeah. for time. But I personally don't like to work for agencies where we're just selling stuff because anyone can go on Google and find drape to rent or a projector to rent. That's not where it's at. It's about yeah. you want to find partners who can elevate what you have and really be true, strategic, creative partners. Take your marketing idea, your concept, your need and create something great and memorable, not an order taker. Yeah. No, I agree. I fully agree. Yeah. And and you, I will always be willing to pay for that if I can find the budget. And I think to, your, to our earlier points, especially consulting firms maybe should, right? Because if you pull that off the right way, it's still a differentiating thing because you get to step out of the virtual and theoretical and PowerPoint world and do a little bit of... Yeah, I must say, as you said, experiential. I also think spatial also goes into it. 
you create well, spatial you present your content in that yeah. you present your content in that way which is not the usual way it's consumed to be honest and that makes it memorable i think that's how it goes together and for consulting firms it's especially <laughs> important because what you're selling is a little bit ephemeral yeah yes yeah. so Oh. And the offices we have are not very distinct from other offices, right? Everybody has the same beanbags and fancy coffee bars. And and that but your selling is exactly what we sell. You are selling that you are the smart, strategic, creative partners. And how do you say that? Because when somebody says, what are you going to do for me? And show it, demonstrate it, bring it to life and make the main thing is once you have these things and these potential clients feel good about you and they trust you and they want to have further conversations, a meeting, yeah. a conference, a trade show is not going to be like, oh, I'm going to have this $10 million deal on the table because of half an hour on stage or 10 minutes at a networking lounge, but it's going to be, I'm receptive to talking to you and I want to partner with you and I like you and I think you're smart and you have good ideas and you're opening up a relationship. And this whole thing, especially for consulting firms, is about relationship building. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And which I, which, and I think that is greatly facilitated by these types of events. Let me try and land this thing, Linda, because it was awesome to have you in for this brief discussion. I'm trying to remember what we said. I think we started out by saying, watch out how you approach events where the consulting firm is the sponsor or partner, right? Be smart about how you negotiate these packages. And if there's no negotiating room, take the long view and invest I don't know, accordingly, right? Mm -hmm. And then we said, running your own events, still very valuable, but be mindful of how these things have changed. You... People can skip back in the episode and listen to some of the stuff. You mentioned a few things, how it's changed and where the best practice, so to speak, might be at now. And then we talked a little bit about how the marketing teams can support it. And I put you on the spot and had you make three wishes where you said, if the creatives working on the happening could interface with the senior execs directly, that would be awesome. I think that is, I'm definitely taking that away. That's a very interesting one yeah. to me. We had the second wish about what was that? The you guys got to help me. I keep only it remember simple. The Don't overcome. Yeah, sorry, exactly. But keep pretty much what you do. Yes. Don't kill us with paperwork. <laughs> keeping it simple and fighting to reduce. And I think this was primarily about the content, right? Like, how much can you do and say? Keep that digestible. And the marketing team has to partner with the creative team to to fight for that because the business. You're right. They will want to bring all of it. And then the third one was about some realistic budgeting or also I think what I heard implicitly was the right priorities when budgeting, right? Don't necessarily yeah. skip yeah. on these and don't pretend that you can do all this yourself for free, but take the other view and say, this is going to be an investment and the return will be greater if I invest more and I invest in right places or I invest in smart people who, who know what they are doing. So cool. I like that. I can't wait to do the next big thing. Not too many of those on my table right now where I'm at, but I certainly remember the great ones we had. And uh, yeah, we usually ask Linda, what is, what, where is the place people can find more about you? Maybe some of the work you've done or tap you for advice if they want to run a consulting firm event. Do you have any places? I do. Um, I have a website and it has both my phone and my email. And nice. the website is... Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, 
field, F-I-E-L-D, yeah. productions.com. I'm based right. in New York. And I would say if I also left you with one piece of advice, Flo, nice. it would be also if you can find one event, like don't try and do 150 events a year unless you yes. really, really fail. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about that. Do yeah, one, if you can own something, like own one event. You know, what we all know you have Sapphire, you have this, you have that. Dell has Dell Technologies World and they own this event and people know and they plan their calendar and they go to these things. And yeah have one even if you've got 20 lines of business within your consulting firm find a way that it's not 20 events yeah i like that a lot and yeah. i mean a side note here because that you could pull off even as a very small or mid-sized firm you don't have to own your own i don't know dreamforce event it could be a garden party you have every summer and it's the mm -hmm. nicest one in town or it could be a sideshow to one of the existing events, as in yes. whenever CES happens, these guys do the best receptions. And it could be small, it could Absolutely. be exclusive. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That was pretty That's a Linda. good note. That's a good place to leave it with. Yeah. Uh, and thank you so much for thank being you very much. with us, Linda. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Sorry it took me so long to get here. <laughs> well, well, you come from New York. Yeah. If you guys are interested, and not you, the listeners, just the other two people in the chat, I'll be hosting my own garden party on the rooftop of my house this evening. It's just some lukewarm beer, and I think I have some pretzels, but if you can make it, <laughs> I'm going to go repeat it next year, exact same time. Just okay, I'm on the next plane. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be there. So there you go. Yeah. All right. And that was brilliant. Thanks both. I'll yeah. stop the recording here and I wish you and the listeners a good weekend. Eventually, depending on where they sit and mm -hmm. how much time they still have to work. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us.